Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Here to introduce you to the great musicians and music businesses and organizations of Wisconsin. Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Here to introduce you to the great musicians and music businesses and organizations of Wisconsin. Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Here to introduce you to the great musicians and music businesses and organizations of Wisconsin. Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Thanks, Dean. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Wisconsin Music Podcast, Amplifying Wisconsin Music. This week, we have Paul Vosch of the group Drivatron. It is an electronic rock dance outfit. Paul Vosch realized the best way to dance in public is to make the songs yourself. just a little sample of what you're going to hear about and I'm also going to be playing some more of his songs later on in the podcast. So let's get right into talking with Paul. Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. This week we have Paul Vosh and he is a one-person group of Drive a Tron which began in 2019 and he describes it as an electronic rock dance outfit that he created when he realized the best way to dance to public is to write the songs himself. So the goal, he says, is simply enjoy music and each other, which is a wild departure from early years of his music making. So let's talk with Paul and see how he's doing. Paul, welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Zach, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate you being on. So why don't we dive right into your music origin story? How did you get started? Oh, man, I started when I was born. It was one of those things that I didn't come from a particularly musical family. Uh, but when I was four, I asked for a piano and they didn't give me one. And then when I was five and I asked for a piano and they didn't give me one in six <laughs> and they didn't give me one in seven. And finally, when I was eight, my dad was like, I guess he's not playing football. And then they finally <laughs> relented and gave me a piano. And so I started playing piano pretty darn hard. I was an incredibly shy child, just painfully shy. So I had no problem practicing by myself in piano. Um, but then puberty hit around 12, 13. So I'm like, well, I got to I gotta do that now. And I started playing guitar when I was around 12 or 13. And girls started to notice and I started to be in bands. And I, for whatever reason, whatever band I was in, they always said, Paul, you're going to be the lead singer. I didn't, it was not really my, my idea to be the lead singer in the band. Okay. Uh, I wasn't, you know, even though I'm a, technically a Leo, I am not really that outgoing when it comes to performances. So it was one thing that I had to learn to become. Okay. So since then, I've uh, been in bands since, like I say, age 13 until oh, 32. Then you start having kids. And oh my goodness, unless you're actually making money, 
doing that, which no one is. And you can't stay out till two or three in the morning and come back and take care of a baby because babies do not care. No. So I had to, I had to put that on pause, which is uh, totally fine. You know, I love being a dad. It is a lot of fun. Yep. But then I realized, okay, my kids don't need me for every little thing. They're going to survive. And I still love making music. And you know what? I don't have the time and I don't have the space for traditional band practices. I have degrees in music composition. Let's use some of those. Yeah. So uh, I have, um, I kind of skipped past that, but, you know, formal education in music composition. So I've got my undergraduate from Milwaukee, um, studied with some really fun guys out there in Milwaukee and for composition theory and technology. And then I kept going. I, I thought to be taken seriously, I needed to go to a coast. So I went out to Boston University and studied with some really famous folks out there and did like, you know, the traditional classical route. And so okay. it was strange because I was always in these like punk rock bands with blue hair and, you know, throwing <laughs> beer bottles at people on one hand. And then I'm like practicing Rachmaninoff and Beethoven and writing 12 tone string quartets, you know, like really nice. disparate musical influences going on. Right, right. Yeah. So I'm glad that I did that. I'm glad that I learned all of the technical, classical schools of thought when it comes to music. But then when you take a step out of that academia, you realize I don't genuinely enjoy most of the music that I learned about. I mean, it's great to know it. It's great there. And it's great to be able to write it if you need it. But it's not really what I enjoy. Ah. So it took a long time for me to kind of come to that idea. I was in bands and I had been in fancy school and I thought, oh, I have to use this fancy pants knowledge and, and make really complicated music. And I'm like, nobody likes that sort of stuff. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of where I'm at with this gyrotron thing. I'm like, I want to make music similar to bands that I really enjoy listening to. Yeah. And it's the kind of music that you put it on and you have to start moving. And that's the goal. That's what I'm trying to do now. Cool. Very cool. Um, I also got my undergraduate from UW-Milwaukee um, over 20, um, 20 years ago. Uh, when yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so, man. I So I think I started there in 97, 98. I graduated in somewhere. Yeah, like 20, 2001, something like that. So I okay. studied with John Downey, yep. Bill, Bill Heinrichs, John Wellstead, Yehuda Yanai, all yep. those guys. Yep, yep, all those guys. Hey. Yeah. I graduated right. in, in 99 with, uh, with my um, education degree in music. That's awesome. Man, we must have had a year overlap. We were in the same building at the same time. That's so cool. Probably. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, very cool. Um, so you're, I was listening to your stuff earlier today just to, to re-familiarize myself with your stuff, and it's great. I was listening to the YouTube channel today, and it just I really, really enjoyed it, and I really like the – the video where you like turn on the old reel to reels and just let the music play. And I thought that was really cool. Uh, I forget what the title was, but the one where like you had the drone kind of coming down onto the tape deck. Um, I think that was of the two. I think that one was just a little bit more my favorite than the other one, but both of them were really, really cool. Thanks. Thanks. Let's talk about those two. Um, sure. Um, the yeah, first... that, that, fir that first one I think you're referring to is a song called some fight left. Okay. Yeah, some fight left. And um, I had been for my 40th birthday and I, I'm old, right? Because we're old. And, right. And the, and the thing is, like, I wrote, wrote this music and I recognize that the type of music that I'm writing 
it's not really intended for people my age. People my age, for the most part, and I certainly don't mean to offend you, but I consider myself, they, they're relaxed and they're calm and, and they're not going out dancing, right? They're just not going out dancing. And so I figured the person that I'm writing this for has energy, wants to dance. They don't necessarily want to see an old guy. <laughs> so I, I, I love making music videos. I'm like, they don't need to see me. It's not like I'm, whatever, I don't mind being seen, but it's not about me. It's about how it should make you feel. Yeah. Thought, well, what would be cool to have just as a visualizer on YouTube? Cause I always go to YouTube first. I know that most people go to Spotify to listen to new bands or just, right. but I, I always go to YouTube. And uh, so I hired a guy, I just kind of put out a call on Facebook. Like anybody know a videographer and a friend of mine, Jack Zayn, um, said, yeah, he'd be willing to do it. So he met me out at this, old cemetery oh, and i'm okay. talking old like the cemetery that you see that's from the civil war era so okay. those gravestones are all civil war veterans is that in, so is that in wisconsin or was that or is a location for that it's it's in this tiny little town called primrose wisconsin and it's just outside of madison oh okay and so i was riding my bike you know i'm a big cyclist out here in madison and so i was riding my bike and i just kind of stumbled across the cemetery in the middle of nowhere and so I wrote to the uh, kind of the town council and said, hey, I, I was wondering if it'd be okay if I use the cemetery. I promise I'll try to be respectful and obviously I won't touch right. any gravestones or anything like that. And they were excited that anybody even heard of the place. They're like, yeah, I don't think anyone stepped foot in there. Go ahead, use it for whatever. Be, you know, be nice. So, um, yeah, we filmed that. And it's funny because I'm, I'm 42 now and uh, Jack, the guy who's running the cameras, he was 18 at the time. And uh, he didn't know what a reel-to-reel was. And so I said, oh, I'll bring up a reel-to-reel and we'll do extension cords and we'll just have it like in the middle of the field. And I think that would be cool. And he's like, yeah, it sounds amazing. What's a reel-to-reel? <laughs> and said, so, don't worry about it. It's cool. I, you don't have to do anything. All you need to do is do an overhead shot. And uh, so he, he, can't say, he was great. He's so fantastic. He's out in Malibu right now filming stuff for you know, influencers and stuff. He's, he's legit. He's out there having a good time. But I felt like, yeah, that was my first one that I ever put out on YouTube. I put it out for my birthday just for a, you know, hobby. No ties to the old you, you 
another one that the another one i think you were referencing which was another tape deck that i found at a pawn shop in baraboo oh, okay. i went i went out to arts dart i uh, know arts no dr evermore's art park that's what it is okay you ever been out there no just outside of madison it is one of those weird wisconsin places that somebody just got an idea in his head kind of like the house on the rock you know just mm-hmm. somebody gets an idea in their head and they can't shake it loose and dr evermore has built all these giant, magnificent sculptures out of this metal that was scrap metal. And if anybody's listening and you've ever been to you know, Dr. Evermore's Art Park, the Forever Tron, it's just a mind-blowing sculpture that goes over acres of land. Hmm. Anyway, I was out there and I asked if I could use that as a backdrop for a visualizer for this other song, which was a fundraiser for uh, my neighborhood during the pandemic. My neighborhood was doing a lot and I thought, well, I can write a song and I'll I use the money that I generate from that as a fundraiser. Uh, well, the lady, uh, Lady Evelyn, who kind of runs the place, was like, this is not the kind of music that we choose to prefer. You know, and, and I was like, yeah, it's cool. Not, not your thing. That's all right. So we went out there and we found a fire hydrant in the middle of a farm field. And we're like, this works. That's fine. We just need to get it up on YouTube so people can listen to it. And that raised, yeah, a couple hundred bucks for, nice. um, yeah, it's uh, the Meadowwood community center which is attached to a library just a couple of blocks from my house here in madison wisconsin so you know when the pandemic hit everybody was trying to come up with ways how we can help so that was one way i could help yeah cool uh now is that where drivatron came from that or where did the name drivatron come from oh that's a good that's a good story too so i decided i wanted to write music again 
I was going to do it all myself. I'm going to learn how to play drums, get myself a bass, do the whole thing. And at, my, uh, at the time, my youngest one was five years old. And for his birthday, he asked me for a Drivatron. And I gave him a funny look. I don't know what a Drivatron is. What's a Drivatron? And he looks at me like I'm an idiot. You know, a Drivatron, the thing that you sit in and it goes. And I'm like, you mean a car? And he's like, no, a Drivatron. And he keeps saying it. Like, hmm. I don't know what it is, but it sounds amazing. I want one of those. It sounds so cool. And it was at the time that I was looking for a name for my band. I knew what kind of music I wanted to write. I knew that I wanted to dance. I knew that I wanted people, people to feel like they should move. And then I thought, you know, a Drivatron is a machine that moves people. I'm going to take that name as my band. Yeah. And, you know, my kids are not impressed at all that they have a dad who's a rock star. They, <laughs> no, could care they, rock, they couldn't care less. No. No, but they do say I came up with the name. So they're, they're, they're proud that they came up with the name anyway. And so it's just the, the name that I said, you know what? I don't want it to be like the Paul Vosh experience because when I'm playing a show, this is basically like a karaoke for me. I know the song. Yeah. And I just want people to have a good time. I don't need, I don't need the attention. It's not about me. I want to have a good time. So that's really, that's really why I came up with the band name, even though it's just me in the basement. Okay, cool. Um, so it did you figure out what he was talking about? Is it really just a car that he thought the name of it was a Drivatron, or did you ever figure that out? You know, I think he was talking about a Power Wheels. Oh, okay. I think that's what he was meant to say. Is a I want a Power Wheel, but he didn't know what they were called, so he called them a Drivatron. Okay. And uh, don't worry, though. He's old now, and since then, <laughs> I have made him two go-karts from scratch. Oh, wow. Cool. So, I, yeah, I've made him two electric go-karts, so he's doing just fine now. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's cool. Um, so why don't you kind of give us um, how you created these songs from beginning to end? You know, what, ins you know, got your inspiration for writing them? How did you record them? Um, all that yeah, kind of well, stuff. Sure, sure. I've been writing songs like for real pop punk songs and stuff like that since I was little, little, little. And so, I don't, Zach, did you watch that Beatles documentary? I watched probably like maybe two, two and a half hours of it so far. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's six hours long. So it yeah. is, you got to have the time for sure. But it was so inspiring because I didn't have a set way that I write music. It's not like some people always sit down at the piano, come up with four chords and then put lyrics to it. Or sometimes they write the lyrics, you know, like Dylan will write the lyrics and then he'll strum some chords over the top every time. I didn't really have a set formula. Sometimes it comes to me while I'm in the shower. Sometimes I have a bass line that I'm like, I need to do something with this bass line. Or sometimes I've got that that uh, Rhodes piano in the basement nice. and, uh, you know, come up with that little hook that you hear right in the beginning of some fight left. And I'm like, someday I'm going to come up with something. And I'll just have those little ingredients of songs. Well, the lyrics came together for that some fight left because a friend of mine was going through a divorce and he did nothing wrong. He's such a great guy. I've been friends with him since very, very young. And, uh, you know, he didn't deserve it. And we're, we're at that age like that. He was married for 20 years. Oh, wow. And he got he got really sideblinded by by basically he was not treated right. OK. And um, I thought that's not the end of him. You know, he's too good a guy. He's too smart. He's handsome. He's going to go out there and he's going to kick some ass. And, I, and it was just inspiring to say that would have that would have ended me. Right. <laughs> so difficult to go through something like that yeah and he's out there and he just says oh i guess that change of plans and he crushes it now he's engaged he's got another house he's happy he's you know fit and i'm just like 
couldn't be happier for my, my friend that I've known since fourth grade. Okay. And so I, I wrote this kind of in tribute to him that he is a bad guy. You know, he's a bad dude. He's not going to let it get him down. <laughs> and uh, the song, you know, sometimes those lyrics are a real struggle. And this one was just a floodgates opening. I was just sitting in a garage one time helping out from volunteering for something. And, and it was a real boring two hours and they just kept coming in and I wrote them down as fast as I could. And I had to just put them down in the microphone before I forgot them. And uh, yeah, I'm real proud of how that one came out. Now, now they're not all like that, obviously. Right. You know, I'm sure you've had the same thing where you're like, you've got a great guitar hook and you're like, man, if only I could come up with some catchy words to do this. Right, right. Yep. I hear you. So that was, that was some. Yeah. Cool. So that's the inspiration. And then um, what's your process for recording your songs? Oh, yeah, that's that's been an ordeal, right? Because although I have a technology background, that was like you 20 years ago. Yeah. And technology has moved so fast. And if you don't keep up on it, you don't really know what's going on. Right. Exactly. So I kind of had to approach it as if I was starting from scratch. And thank God for YouTube. You know, I mean, kind of get an idea. You start small, you buy cheap stuff, you figure out what you like and you improve. And so now I've got a legit miniature studio in my basement. I've got a full set. I've got decent microphones. I've got, you know, a, a good IO and a computer that can handle it. And so I think in my most recent release, if I'm remembering correctly, it's a song called Glow in the Dark. I wrote it for my wife. Okay. And it had... 89 tracks on it something like that wow you know it's just one of those things that once you realize you have the ability to do infinite tracks it's real hard to rein that in sometimes so yeah. now <laughs> i have to get out the scalpel and be like all right not everything needs to have a tambourine so i just go down in the basement and i'm sure it drives my family insane because you have to mic it up record it listen to it and say nah that's not and you go back and you adjust the microphone, record yeah. it, listen to it again. You are basically the performer, the engineer, and the producer all at once. Yep. And it just takes longer. Yep. But now I've, I've been doing this for about three or four years, and I've got it, I've got it to where things sound good, where I don't have to spend hours and hours trying to figure out which way should I do my drum overheads, or how am I going to mic this guitar cabinet, or what synths I want to use. Right. I have that ready to go. So now when the inspiration hits, it's a much easier process to get it into the computer definitely yeah it's it's amazing the technology that has happened over the last 20 25 years going from analog to digital digital when it first started out it was you know very very digital and and we've we've learned over the years how to re to make it sound more natural instead of you know very very clean because i don't think human ears really like things that are super clean we like things that have some saturation in it that you know that tape used to be able to do for us and it's yeah. just it's great to kind of be you know watching and hearing how it's evolved over these last decade decade and, or two decades and a half yeah like i said i mean i was involved when pro tools was a brand new-ish thing yeah. and i was still taught just as much on pro tools as i was on tape by john wellstead professor wellstead if you're out there and, uh, but then I took a break from it for 20 years and it, I, mainly because I couldn't afford to record and I didn't yeah. have the time or space to record, but now I've got all of those things and technology has gotten cheaper, which is wonderful. So now you can get a decent IO from Focusrite for a couple hundred bucks and you are rolling. It's awesome. 
Um, so now, now I'm at that point where I can't really justify any more costs to my wife. I have <laughs> pretty much have all the things that I need yeah. to make a good sound. As soon as I came up with some fight left, I got it um, mixed. Well, I, mean, I did the mixing, but a friend of mine, Paul Mitch, who's a, who's a fantastic musician himself, is uh, mixing a current song that I'm doing. And he mastered that some fight left song. And then she's like, all right, are we done? Because this sounds legit. <laughs> you sound like you've made it now. You don't get to justify spending whatever, $2,000 on another Gibson. You're good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have the same thing. My wife's like, all right, you know, everything you're going to do is just going to be profit because you've bought everything. And there's, <laughs> you know, it's like, sure. Yeah I, yeah, I, yeah. I know what you mean. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I will say that the microphone I'm speaking you to you uh, currently is one that was paid for by voiceover work. So it's like, you know, I, yep. am, I, get, I get that side hustle money for some of the equipment. It's not like music makes me anything, but it is a fun little hobby. And yep. it's cheaper than if I was, you know, a sports car driver. So there you go. Yep. It's not the most expensive hobby. That's for sure. Yeah. It's, it's getting cheaper. It's getting easier. And I'd say the education is, is easier to come by too. Because you really had to know somebody who had done it or was doing it in order to know things about like cutting off the, the low end on a vocal track or yep. you know, the guitar. The guitar is not going to sound the same through that amp with this mic than it will from that. I can point it at the cone, but not the edge and you know, all that <laughs> stuff that, that you would just, it would take years for you to get that knowledge. And now you hop on YouTube and you say, you know, best way to mic a bass cap or something like that. And you've got literally hundreds of choices. And if you like someone, you're like, oh, like this guy sounds. And uh, it is, it has been, it has saved me because, you know, I'm a working stiff, so I didn't have all the time in the world. I'm like, I seriously need to figure out how I can get this snare to crack. Like, you know, and, and it's getting there. Obviously you're, you've been talking about um, drum sets. So you're, you're recording live drums is what I'm taking away from this. Yeah. Most of the time, here's the thing when uh just before the pandemic so this actually worked out kind of well from a musical perspective before the pandemic i convinced my wife that i was going to buy myself a legit drum set now here's the thing i didn't know how to play drums at all like at all <laughs> i didn't know anything even how to hold the sticks nothing okay but i bought i bought myself a for real ludwig classic maple set a nice nice, set. nice. And it was used, but it was nice. And um, I said, okay, I, I pulled the trigger on this thing. I got to figure out how to play it. And so for about the first year and a half of the pandemic, every day I practiced. And after about a year and a half, you know, you're about as good as a junior high drummer in a jazz band. That's about where I was at. Okay. But that's good enough for pop and rock music. And so I've been, I've been keeping that. So I'm getting better. Excellent, um, excellent. You know, yeah. So, but I do, for the most part, do acoustic, actual drums. I'll use samples to kind of reinforce things if I want the kick drum to sound like a yeah, club or whatever, right? Or you know, distort some of that bottom snare drum sound. Um, on a song that I've got mixed right now, that's going to be released hopefully by the time this comes out. Um, I recorded each acoustic drum individually as they were samples, and then okay. put it back together. Right. Only, only because I had an idea of what I wanted to play, but I'm not technically good enough to play what I wanted to play in my mind. And so I play it real slow. I'm like, this is dumb. I'm just going to have to, <laughs> I'm going to have to record each individual Tom and ride symbol and then put it back together. And you know, it turned out pretty darn good. So I'm real excited about this. Next one. 
Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, so we've talked about the song, Some Fight Left. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Take Care of What You're Given. Uh, why don't you give oh, us yeah. the inspiration behind that one? Well, that one, like I said, I wrote that one as a fundraiser for the Meadowood community. Uh, it's right next to the community library here in Madison, Wisconsin, in my neighborhood. And it does support a lot of things. It supports families, lots of kids. It provides an internet connection for people that may not have that. And um, I, I don't know what inspired me. I was like, I'm going to write a song, you know, start to finish. Like, I've got myself two months. I'm going to write a song and I'm going to use that song as a fundraiser. And then for me, the music flowed real fast, but that was one of those that the lyrics were, okay, how do I want to say this? What do I want to say? And so that one was trial and error. And then sometimes you just sing real loud and what feels good coming out your mouth is what you actually start singing. So I wrote very different lyrics and it, it, it was, uh, I'd say that that has got a catchy little hook in it. Sometimes it'll act as an earworm. It's a weird thing when you write a song and then your own song is an earworm yeah. and it just stays in your head for days. There is a little, that take care of what you're given that goes into a Rhodes electric piano, little hook in there, man, sometimes I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what <laughs> happened. I don't know who came up with that. I know it was me in the room, but I think somebody else may have written that down because that is catchy. Um, and then same thing with glow in the dark. I just came up with the song glow in the dark and I wrote it as a love letter to my wife uh, when she was going to school in this small town in Southern Indiana. And I drive out to meet her. It took, I was going to school here in Milwaukee at the time. It took okay. hours, hours and hours and hours to get there. And I don't have a video for that one. But uh, hopefully I will have a visualizer out on YouTube again by the time this uh, airs.
like I said, I was listening to him and I don't like putting music in genres. And and lately, another podcast I listened to is Bobby Ozinski, and he has this little discussion before he interviews somebody. He talks about music and stuff like that. And he's talking about it seems now we're getting away from genres and we're getting more towards what type of song is it as in what kind of emotion it projects. Yeah. So is this a happy song, a sad song? Is this, you know, an anger song? So what would you like to put, if you could put your music into like a classification of emotion, what do you think you'd like to pull from mostly? I think that is a great way to approach it because... Yeah, a genre, you say 12-bar blues, people know, oh, you're talking about Chicago stuff. Or you talk about, you know, singer-songwriter, and you're like, oh, you're talking about the acoustic or maybe a mandolin. And yeah, you're right. It's not about that. It's about the layers that you use to set the groove. And I would say that I am in pursuit of a groove that makes people move. It's My goal is to make people feel like I can't sit still when I hear this song. I need to move. And... Uh, and that's just what I find myself listening to. I'm just, um, I, I would say joyous dance rock. <laughs> that's what I'm going for. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And it just, I mean, you have, a, I hear like synth wave, you know, some stuff, synth waves kind of stuff, you know, in there with the, the music you're doing, but yeah, it's not just synth wave. It's, you know, like you said, it's kind of, has some of that rock in there. It has that joyous feeling to it. So, yeah, I think it's coming across, to, at least to oh, me, good. that's the way it's coming across to me. Good, good, good. I appreciate that. Thank you for letting me, thank you for letting me know. Yep. Yeah, it's always, you always see what, it's not really what I feel. It's how other people take it in. So I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, exactly. So not the greatest segue, but another thing like I like to talk to people about is um, how they view their local scene attitude you know, like the positives and the struggles um, for you and, and where you live, what are some of the positives that you're seeing in the local music scene? Well, yeah, that is a tricky thing. When I was living in Milwaukee, we lived in Milwaukee's River West area for about 15 years. And that's after I had already got my undergraduate. So after I got my undergraduate, went to Boston and then we lived in Milwaukee. And so there were so many places to play when you are a band, a legitimate, you know, band, multi-piece band. A lot of little venues and you could be terrible. <laughs> you can, you could be bad and they'll still let you play. And that's great here in Madison. This is a very different city. And yes, there's, there's so many kids here and um, there just isn't the smaller taverny kind of bar. So there's a jazz place. If you play jazz, great. There is you know, High Noon Saloon, if you're an actual mid-level gigging band. Yep. Um, there's a dance, well, there's like one dance club, but I, again, I'm 42 years old and married. I'm not going to go to a single dance club by myself. <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things like, man, I need, to, I need to reach out and make those connections. Now, what I like is that everyone that I've reached out to here in the Madison area has been so amazing. They've been great. They're playing shows on King Street. They're doing open gigs. They're playing patio shows. There's the Burr Oak. It's nearby. And so the Garver Feed Mill is out here too. And so they're doing yeah. they're, very recently, you know, coming out of the pandemic, there's all these wonderful smaller venues for newer, smaller bands to kind of get their foot in the door. So I'm really, really excited. I think 
for me personally, I want maybe three more solid songs so I can have a, an hour long set that I can trim back to you know, whatever is needed yeah. for the venue. And then I'm going to start pursuing actually playing out some shows. Because right now it's just me making songs and making people feel good. But I'd love to actually be out and playing some shows in these, some of these venues that are coming up. Because I see on Instagram, everybody's just posting and just is a very positive vibe yeah. that I'm picking up. Um, now, granted, that could be the type of music that I'm looking to, pop, rock sort of thing. It does kind of lend itself to a more supportive environment than when I was in punk rock bands back in the day. Maybe a little less so, but um, I am very pleased with how things are going. You know, my home, my, I, I consider Milwaukee my hometown, even though I'm from Racine, Kenosha. My hometown in Milwaukee and then here in Madison, it's just, it's getting good. And yeah, uh, look, looking forward to playing some shows with them. Cool, cool. I'm actually a Racine native myself. I, yeah, I remember seeing that. Are you you're in are you in Caledonia right now? Where are you? Right now I'm in yeah, Caledonia, um, which is uh the part of Caledonia between like four and five mile road off the sure. Yeah. Sure. I got a real good friend of mine who I used to play in a jazz band with back at University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, a jazz trumpeter that just will blow your mind named Jamie Brevick. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Jamie. He lived five houses down from me when I was yes, yes, yes. And so yeah, it's still in Caledonia and man. I don't know if you have heard his stuff recently or seen his artwork, but he oh, yeah. is still just gorgeous. So I've actually reached out to Jamie and said, when it comes time for me to do my, my EP, you're doing the cover. It's like, I'm all about it. Man. You just yeah. tell me this. Tell me Excellent. the time. Very cool. Yeah. Very. I got to get him on, on here too, eventually, because it's been a while since I've talked to him, but yeah, we, we were actually in a band together for, for a while. When we, no. Yeah. Yeah. That's a small world, man. Y- yep. Yep. I'm sure we've, we've, we're just like in orbits of each other. We just haven't actually met face to face. And I'm sorry, my camera isn't on, so you can't see what I look like. That's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, because um, I'm a saxophone player, and I also play drum set and a little bit of guitar and all the bandisters because I'm a high school band director. But yeah, we've Jamie and my brother and and him and some other people. Yeah, we've pretty much grew up together all the way th- through college. Oh, that's crazy! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, if you were performing with the jazz band at UWM. I maybe was. There's some, yeah, I was playing the piano, so maybe there's some overlap. If you remember a skinny kid with blue hair, that was probably me. Man, that was a, lo- <laughs> that was a long time ago. I know, I know. That's, that's, that's asking you to dig way back in your subconscious. Skinny yeah. guy at the piano, that's every other guy. Because <laughs> I I was in the, the jazz band probably all the way through 98, because 99 is when I did my student teaching. Oh, okay. I see. I see. And then I came to UWM in uh, 97. Okay. And I had, I had been doing the, the jazz band thing all the way up until then, but it was kind of a, uh, yeah, not, not through the school, just kind of on the side with Kurt Hanneran. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, Kurt, Kurt was my teacher, sex teacher for, from like sixth grade all the way through college. I'd love to see, I, I follow him too. And I love that he's still doing it. You know, yeah. I mean, he is out there. He's, he's living it. Yes, definitely. He, uh, I still think about how he tells the drummer to play. He doesn't say, play it like he says, you know, he's just like, <laughs> get in your face. And I just love it. Right. Like right. In, the, in the friendliest, happiest way possible. But I just, like, I miss that guy. Exactly. So now we talked about um, some of the positives of the local scene. Um, what are some of the things that you feel is, is suffocating in the local scene? 
Well, this city is an anomaly, right? We've got so many kids. The university really dominates all of that. Because those kids, I mean, they're either in dorms, which is a huge part of the population, Mm -hmm. or in these really cramped housing, there's no real space for them to make any music. And so I would say that there's not a scene so much as like Milwaukee is River West, for example, I mean, every other house you can hear people practicing because there's everybody's in a band. Madison, it's not like that. There's just not as much of a drive. It's very, you know, political, obviously, the university and sports kind of take precedence over what I'm noticing from an underground music thing. That's not to say that they don't exist. There's still yeah. Willie Street. There's still the area. Like There's still bands. Um, the bands that I'm seeing are really high quality. There's just not very many of them. And so I'd say that's the, that's the downside is that there's no little holes in the wall for people that are kind of starting a band to, to try it out, to see what they like. Uh, you know, not as many open mics, things like that. There's some and they exist and I appreciate them. And uh, I know I'm going to have to pursue more of those. Yeah. But for a city of this size, uh, there's relatively few. Okay. So more, more, um, opportunities for people to grow their their art in music, basically. Is yeah, lacking. yeah. Gotcha. Yep, it's housing is crazy expensive oh. here. So you know, if you are let's say twenty five, you're renting, and if you're renting, that means you're not playing in a band. No, so kind no. of a drag. Right, exactly. Just going through my questions here real quick. Yeah, we're getting, no we're getting close to the end almost here. Don't take up too much more of your time. Oh, that's all right. I'm looking uh, forward to this. I was, I'm so glad that you were like calling for a Wisconsin artist. I'm like, what about a guy who's just making music in his basement that hasn't played any shows yet? No, like, that's, yes. that's, that's cool. Um, <laughs> Very I know, cool. Very yeah. Cool. I mean, I know you've, you've kind of talked about being a family man and all that stuff. Um, but I like to ask about like the work life balance, you know, like the struggles that you've had in the past or you're still having and, you know, kind of how you've um, maybe conquered it or trying to conquer that, that balance. Yeah, that's a tricky thing for sure, because I am considerably older than probably the people that are starting off in music or starting off in bands. And uh, I I like to think that I have a youthful energy, but I'm, you know, I've had to work as a professional for 20 years and it depends on the job. Yeah. If I have a straightforward nine to five job that I can leave work at work, then do the family dad thing, put the kids to bed, go down to the basement and play some music. Life is great. Unfortunately, for the last 10 years or so, I have not had that kind of job. It's been, you know, I have to catch an hour here or I devote a couple hours on the weekend, something like that. Um, but I recently transitioned away from that job. Right. So it's one of those things like, okay, now I can have a fresh start and I can figure out how much time I want to devote to what I enjoy, which is music making and voiceover and stuff like that. And uh, how much I need to, to work to pay the bills. And my wife is a nurse practitioner. So when the pandemic hit, she was in the thick of it. And so I just had to support her and I had to support yep. the kids. There was no school, you know how that goes. Yep, I know. So I very quickly had to, um, Instead of, you know, we do a pretty good job of splitting those domestic roles 50-50, I pretty much took over. And I I took a a brief leave of absence from my job so I can try to teach my kids some lessons and and help my my youngest one to learn to read and, you know, do the laundry and and cook and all that stuff. 
And I really enjoyed it. It was, it was not that hard for me to leave all of the, the rat race behind for a, a couple of months and just kind of take a step back and appreciate all that I have. You know, you work yeah. so hard to get all these things and then you can't really take the time to enjoy the things. So right. I, I got to say, uh, I recently, like I say, transitioned away from a rather hectic job for the last 10 years. I enjoyed my time there, but I'm really looking forward to the next chapter. So yeah, definitely. this is part of it too. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Interesting enough. Um, my wife is an RN. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, that was tough. Yeah. A tough two and a half years. I mean, we're still not out of it yet, but no. Yeah. My, my wife is, uh, she, she was just, I'm just so proud of her. You know, she came out of that on the other side, a little bit scarred, a little bit wounded, but she's yep. still smiling. She yeah. didn't quit the profession or anything like that. So yeah, I count that as a win for the both of us. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely gigs that have made an impression on you and why and it could be either as an artist or as an audience member it could be going to you know you're going to see you one of your favorite musicians or you on stage yes or both yes all right well i'll give you two two quick ones um before i started having children i i am long and skinny and i have a somewhat resemblance to David Bowie. I wouldn't say I'm nearly as handsome as David Bowie, but some people have said that I have, there is a resemblance to David Bowie. And so I was in a glam rock band for a while. I was okay. in a glam rock band for about four years. And it was called uh, Ring King Oberon, Echo Galaxy and, and uh, Ring King Oberon. And so that was my persona up on stage. And I had the outfits and the wigs and the whole thing. And we would do, I think probably my most favorite gig I've ever played. And that's hard to put a pin on. But the first thing that comes into my mind is when we covered the rise and fall of Ziggy start at start to finish that entire oh, wow. album, man, that was a fun gig and I everybody bet. was into it. You know, the place was packed. It was sweaty. It was the middle of winter and we just destroyed that place. It was so much fun. Um, that's, you know, I was always in punk bands and things like that. And everything was aggressive. This was a different vibe. This felt happy. People were, singing along they were dancing and it was like okay i like i think i like this better than the punk rock thing uh so from a performance perspective that was a real live opener that people you can you can play rock that people are happy with you don't have to be angry all the time yeah and as far as as an audience member the first thing that pops into my head was kind of an unexpected gig i was not planning to attend a parliament funkadelic show uh but you know back in the day riverside david hand out these fake coupons to UWM students. And they would say, two drink minimum, you get in for free. Well, you know, the drinks are like 15 bucks each, but whatever. Yeah, right, right. And so I went with my friends to go see Parliament Funkadelics. I knew of them. I knew yeah. vag vaguely of their music. Um, I had, you know, best of albums or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I was just not prepared for the amount of funk that was going to be <laughs> laid down. And I remember going there with my friends and we are like, you know, sticking out. We are not, not the people that were most in that audience and nobody cared. You know what I mean? Everybody was accepting. Everybody was in a good mood. Fantastic. The band comes out, they start playing and they did not stop playing for four and a half hours straight. Wow. Everybody's losing. I mean, there was not one break. It was four and a half hours straight of music. I've never experienced anything like that. About two hours in to the set, Bootsy Collins slowly walks out on the stage. People are losing their minds, right? Wow. Bootsy Collins. He's got yeah. the star base. Right. He's in, he's in the sequence. 
He's out there. Everybody was losing his mind. He's walking real slow. <laughs> he goes to the end of the stage and he puts his fists up in the air and he's got his arms raised and he freezes and he doesn't move and he stays put. And the whole band is playing like no music stops. I timed it. Bootsy Collins held his hands up in the air for 41 minutes. I, everybody in the whole audience was like, is he dead? What happened? You know, George Clinton is there. Sir Nose is there. Everybody is playing. Yeah. And Bootsy Collins, everybody is ready for him to lay it down. Like, it is queued up as best it could possibly be. And then after 41 minutes, he puts his arms back down real slow. Jeez. And then he walks off the stage real slow. And I was like, I leaned over to my friend, like, that was the most baller move I've ever seen in my life. That thing was so boss. I couldn't believe it. It was better than it had he even played any notes. I couldn't imagine a better performance. And again, I wasn't even planning on seeing probably right, right. that night. So basically he was an audience member on stage with his arm up in the air going, keep going, guys. This is fucking awesome. I, he didn't even move. He was frozen solid. Jeez. Frozen solid. It was almost like he, you know, he was shit bearing his chest to the audience. Like, this is it. <laughs> you are experiencing my energy and my aura right now for 41 minutes straight. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Wow. Oh, my God. That was the most insane thing I ever saw a performer do. And I've seen a lot of shows. So yeah. that was kind of fun. That's the first thing that came into my head. That's a good question. I like that. Well, thank you for sharing that. That was fantastic to hear. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. Anybody out listening, if, you, if you're like, oh, I'm Pete Funk's in town, maybe I should go check them out. Check them out. I don't yeah. know if they still tour anymore, but yeah. Wow. So yeah, listeners, any time you want to go see a good band, go and see it. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't, don't you, skip on that. Exactly. You don't know what they're going to come up with. It's right. crazy. Exactly. My, Again, I was, my, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, my dad had the, the, the bill, the bill, um, the option to go and see uh, C. Ray Vaughn's last concert at Alpine, and he decided not to go. Oh, oh, oh no! <laughs> yeah, no! Oh man! The rest of your life shaking yeah. your head. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I've had a couple of shows, not quite that serious, but I've had a couple of shows where the band breaks up right after, and you didn't go to see that show, and yeah, we're like, I remember when Arcade Fire played Mad Planet in Milwaukee, and a friend of mine's like, "Oh, you should oh, go wow. check out. I think you're." I think you'll like this band. They're called Arcade Fire. And I'm like, nah, it's yeah. two degrees outside in February. I don't feel like going out to Mad Planet. One month later, they you know, up. they explode all yeah. over the world. And like, man, that was stupid. Yeah. My wife, uh, I don't know if you're a Dave Matthews band fan, but me and my wife like to go and see them play every summer. She sure, had yeah, a, just played the Alpine, right? Yep. It was a fantastic yeah. show. But my wife, when Dave Matthews band was, you know, not, the Dave Matthews band yet had a chance to see them, I think at uh, the Eagles club or something. And she decided not to go cause she didn't know who they were at them at that point. But yeah, she, yeah. Kick, she kicks herself for that once in a while. I got to say, I, I do appreciate um, the kind of the early or mid-level touring artists that come through Madison. There's quite a lot of them. We've got, yeah. you know, the brass ring, we've got uh, cactus club in Milwaukee. We've got, uh, Oh, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, high noon saloon here in Madison. And so any day of the week, you can look at a band and like, I'm not sure who this is, but they could explode at any moment. You kind of get that feeling. Yeah. These, these newer folks that are on the scene and any one of them might be the next arcade fire or whatever. Yep. Yep. I hear you. You never know, you know, 
it's it's a it's a crapshoot. You don't know who's going to blow up and who who is. Yeah, I look forward to attending more of those shows. Yeah, and more importantly, you don't know who who could be your favorite band. I mean, national or national touring or not, you know, a band is a band. Everybody starts local. Eventually, you know, eventually they're either going to get bigger or they're going to stay the same or they're going to die out. Yeah, yeah, and and some of my favorite bands never made it big, big, big. Right. You know. So yeah, exactly. That yeah. I, as as much as you'd like to get your music out there, that is shouldn't be a mark of a successful band. Yep. Well, Paul, it was a fantastic conversation. I enjoyed talking with you. I hope the listeners enjoyed listening to you. I'm gonna if you want me to, I can put those two songs into the podcast so the listeners can hear your stuff. And speaking of listening to your stuff, where can they go and hear your stuff? Oh, my stuff is uh, on all of the streaming services. Yeah, I've got a little program here that I can upload. And so we're on Apple Music and Spotify. I've got a couple of things up on YouTube. I've got a band camp that's, uh, I don't know if you can provide links to, but it's a yep. band camp. And so when you're searching for all this stuff, the band is Drivatron, but it's drive hyphen a hyphen Tron. And so that's on Instagram. It's on Facebook. It's all over, all over the place. So um yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate it and love to kind of um, meet other folks and just set up shows and, and just see if there's anybody else, like-minded folks out there that like, just have a good time and dance. Yes, definitely. And do you have any gigs coming up or not? I know you were talking about getting some more songs ready, but are you thinking like later this year? Or are you thinking maybe more of like next year, spring, summer time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got about about 40 solid minutes, you know, if I didn't do mingling with the audience, 40 solid minutes start to finish. And like I said, I was trying for about an hour's worth of solid music start right. to finish so I can pair it back. So I'm hoping by mid, mid-fall, we'll be able to look around the town here and see if I can get in, uh, maybe opening for some acts or something like that. Cool. I will say that I've got, like I said, my friend Paul Mitch, who's a... Uh, uh, an audio engineer here in town who's also fantastic just released a solo album he's mixing uh, a new song that i just finished about a week ago called uh abandoned mind that i think is going to be real big so i'm real excited about that one i hope that it will be available by the time that this uh, episode airs and maybe we can provide a link to that i can send that to you a little bit later on yeah That's definitely cool. and i could even put it as like the the closing song of the podcast if you want if it's available at that time yeah, if not, then that some fight left one is catchy right. too. So by all means, whatever yeah. whatever works best. Exactly. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, and we'll talk soon. Oh, thanks, Zach. I really appreciate it. I had a great time. Thanks again, everyone, for listening in to another episode of Wisconsin Music Podcast. And thank you to Paul from Drivatron for being on the show. We're gonna play this out with his one of his newest releases called Abandoned Mind. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you next week.
Turn. 